Welcome to the Females on Fire podcast, where I hope that you'll gain both the tools you need to grow your business and the motivation you need to create your dream life. I'm Haley Luckadoo, motivational speaker, serial entrepreneur, huge lover of Dr. Pepper, and of course, the host who will be introducing you to the phenomenal women sharing their stories and expertise to inspire you, help you succeed, and set your soul on fire. Hi, ladies, and welcome back. Before we dive into a new episode, I want to quickly tell you about my partnership with HoneyBook. HoneyBook is an easy-to-use client management platform where you can manage contracts, invoices, and workflows, track your time, create automated processes, and even create a customized portal for your clients to access. It's got everything, and I've partnered up with them to bring you an incredible offer. Just use the code HaleyLuckadoo or click the link in the description to get 50% off your first year subscription. I love using HoneyBook for my business, but I love to save money even more. So if you need a client management software or have considered making the switch to HoneyBook, now is the time. Again, just use the code HaleyLuckadoo or click the link and save yourself $200 while simplifying your life. I promise you will not regret it. I am so excited for today's episode that I can barely stand it. Today, we are going to be talking all about SEO, and I know that is one of those scary terms that we all hate because it's so complicated, but today's guest is really going to break it down and make it simple. So today, we are talking with Meg Clark, and she is an SEO strategist and teaches creative businesses to grow their organic traffic and rankings so that they can make a greater impact and reach more people, which is awesome. That's exactly what we all want to do. So she's going to be teaching us today about some of the terms that we need to know and those fundamentals for having great SEO. Hi, Megan. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hey, Haley. I am delighted to be here. I've been looking forward to this for a very long time. Me too. I'm super excited to have you on and have this conversation about SEO and how our listeners can make theirs a little bit better. So I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Before we dive in, can you just tell everybody a little bit about you and how you got into this line of work and just how your journey led you to here? Oh, sure. I'd love to. So my name is Meg and I am married with um, three boys. And so it's pretty crazy. I live um, in Northern Virginia and I work, I work from home and I I got into SEO because I was a designer. I went to school to be a web designer and graphic designer. And I worked, I did agency work for gosh, years, years before we, um, before we started our family. Our family was, is kind of crazy. We adopted two boys from Uganda and then about I don't know, six or seven months later, I got pregnant. So we had three boys in a little over 18 months. So because of that, our life of like my husband and I both being kind of like workaholics and working all the time completely changed because we had these three boys. So I quit my agency job and I stayed home to, to raise the kids. You know what I mean? And so I did that for... 
two or three years. And then once I felt like I got everybody a little bit stable, which is actually just false. But once we got everybody old and a little bit older, I started to do some freelance work um, for a lot of reasons. I really wanted to use that part of my brain again. I wanted to be creative. I got tired of playing Legos all the time. And, um, and also the money, we, my husband and I needed the money. So I started picking up design work um, really from friends and you know, acquaintances who were in the same position as I was. Women who had a business or had a job or had a career, then they started a family and they, they wanted to work again and they were just trying to make a side hustle work or, you know, spin up a business that they could do while staying home and being and raising their kids. So I was really passionate about that. I'm really passionate about those, that stage of life for women because it's really hard and having the ability to, to work and having the ability to use your gifts is, gosh, it is, it is just such a blessing. It is so nice to be able to do. And I really like to be able to help um, you know, these small businesses get more traction and get more clients and get more traffic to them because they're amazing businesses run by, you know, extremely sharp women and they just need that little boost of traffic. So I guess to back up a little bit, I started designing for some of these, for these acquaintances. And the thing that we discovered was um, my clients had amazing services that were priced really well. And I designed them a beautiful website, but they were not getting any traffic. And so this was kind of the rub of, I helped people, you know, get online, but I, we weren't able to actually get traffic. And so after three or four of these websites where the same thing happened over and over again, I really dug in and I got really familiar with the analytics and SEO. I was reading everything that Google wrote about traffic and I started offering SEO services with my design. And then eventually I just do SEO so that I can really help um, small businesses, creative small businesses make a bigger impact on their world by attracting more clients from the web. That's kind of my story. That's how I got here. Yeah. I love that you just really had this passion for helping people. And that's kind of how you ended up with your own business. I always think that those are the best ways to start a business is when you just, you see a need for something and you feel like you're the person that can kind of fill that gap. That's right. That's right. Cause there's a lot of extremely talented designers out there, way more talented than I ever, I ever was. But that gap of having a beautiful website and then having a website that works, it was a pretty big chasm. And so I really like to kind of stand in the, stand in the gap and help people with beautiful websites and great services get a little bit more traffic. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I think too, the fact that you were just kind of willing to pivot a little bit, I think I always talk about how I feel like if you're going to be successful in business, you have to be able to pivot and make those adjustments when necessary. And you did that. You saw that, you know, yeah, you're a good designer, but people really need help in this area. And it's something that you felt like you could offer and you felt like you could help with. And so you were willing to make that adjustment and kind of, you know, drop off those de design services and really focus on the thing that everybody needs help with. So I love that you were just so willing to, 
to make those adjustments and, and pivot when you needed to. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Um, I, you know, I being like a new mom and, um, being a new mom, especially of three boys, I was really struggling because I, you know, it's hard and it's not, it's not a thankless job raising all these little boys, but at first it felt thankless. So I really wanted to, I, I, it was really selfish because I really wanted to do something that I felt I could do really well and people and would make a big impact because at home I felt like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. I feel like I was just a floundering mess. And work was really stable. So I felt like I could go in, I could do it, I would feel I could help people and then things were great. And then I would leave my office door and then enter chaos again. So um, it was really, it was honestly really for selfish needs. And I'm just really so thankful that it all kind of worked out the way that it did. Yeah. And I I imagine too, that that was probably hard. You said you and your husband were both workaholics. So I imagine Mm -hmm. it was probably hard going from really loving your job and putting a lot of effort into it to suddenly having to put all of your focus into three little boys. I imagine that was a difficult transition. It was totally a difficult transition. And I, um, I loved my job. I really love working. Um, I've always loved working and it was not our plan to, for me to stay home forever. Like I was going to stay home for, you know, a few months and then I, in my, in my brain, I just thought everything was going to work out beautifully. The kids would just adjust really well and everybody could just go off to preschool and we'd be, and I would be back to somewhat of a, a regular schedule that I was used to within a matter of months. And that just totally did not happen. Our kids had special, have special needs and, um, you know, being adopted is very traumatic and it was not it was stuff that I knew could happen, but I didn't really think would happen to us. And, and then I got pregnant. And so then it was like my plan just got <laughs> thrown out with the trash. And so I, we had to come up with a, with an adjustment and, you know, it, it, I'm so glad that it did. Everything has worked out really well. And I am so thankful that I'm able to, to do what I do and then also help other women do the same thing. So the whole thing is really just a, a great story, I think. Well, that's awesome that it worked out so well for you and for everybody else who's working with you. Cause I mean, if you were still just designing or focusing on your kids, then there'd be a lot of women who aren't getting the SEO advice from you that they're getting. So it's awesome that it worked out the way it did. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. (laughs) I'm proud of it. (laughs) (laughs) You should be. Well, let's assume that everybody knows what SEO is. Um, mm-hmm. for the sake of this episode, cause I have a lot of questions. So sure, sure. we'll just assume that everybody knows, you know, SEO stands for search engine optimization and it's basically how search engines read your website and decide where to rank you. So just assuming everybody knows that much, can you then kind of talk about, because I feel like this is the one big pain point for everybody. Can you talk about what parts of a website actually affect your SEO? Because I feel like we're constantly hearing that we need to work on our SEO and we know that our, that Google and and all the search engines are reading our website, but I feel like most people don't know what that that even means. Yeah. So can you just talk about that a little bit? Yes, absolutely. So um, I, I love to talk about this and my big dream, um, 
being an SEO is to, to make it simple and to make it understandable and so that people can be feel empowered by it. And one of the things that one of the myths, if you will, that I like to bash as soon as we get started is that SEO kind of changes all the time. There is that undercurrent belief that there's no need to understand it because, you know, by the time you learn it, it's going to go away or be in, in, you know, out of date. And my biggest, um, my biggest answer to that is, Sure, the Google does change its algorithm all the time, a couple of times um, a day even, but the fundamentals and the foundation of your website and the goodness of SEO actually doesn't change. And so SEO, I love for you to think about it as a layer of your marketing and not something that's kind of over there in the corner. It's not something that's just kind of standalone that... Um, that you do, it's it's literally a part of everything, of your marketing plan, of your content marketing, of your strat of your social strategy. It's just kind of a part of it. So one of the things that Google really cares about is just your overall authority and your expertise in whatever it is you say you're about. So when you think, well, what does Google read? Well, what they're looking for is to make sure that you are who you say you are and that you're an expert in what it is that you say that you do. So to kind of put some handles on that, I mean, if you're a food blogger, write about food. Don't necessarily write about your child's dance recital or your vacation or sprinkle in all of these other topics. If you say that you're, you are a food blogger, write about food and write about your passion. Um, some of the behind the scenes and personal stuff is helpful over time. But what we want to tell Google is, Hey Google, I say I'm this and I write about this. So you can trust my expertise and authority on that subject. And how that looks like in actuality on your site is having kind of distinct categories for your, for your content, for whatever the theme of your website is, and to write about them consistently. Include keywords in the title and within your copy and write about things that are really relevant to the times, to the current times of whatever your niche is. So I know that's kind of an elusive, vague answer to your question, but I hope it reveals some insight into how Google thinks and what they care about when they look at your site. It definitely does. And I think that's a great point, just really focusing in on what it is that, not only what it is that you do, but what it is that you want to be known for. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like that's, that's the piece that everybody doesn't understand because I feel like we're constantly having all of these really technical terms thrown at us, like, mm -hmm. you know, alt text and your headers have to have keywords in them and your blog posts have to have keywords in them. And I know all of those things are true, but I feel like when it boils down to it, the point that you just made is just hits the nail on the head that you've got to tell Google, here's what I want to be known for. Because it can read your website all day, but if you're not specifically telling it, this is the thing that I want you to promote for me, it's never going to know. And the beauty of that, the benefit of that is when you tell Google who you are and the value that you provide to clients, you're also telling the audience, you're also telling real human beings. And so that makes it really clear 
And so you can be very, um, very transparent and real. And the other thing that I love about this is when you switch your mindset, when you pivot your mindset a little bit to really focusing on your passion and what you want to be known for, you can turn off all of all of the noise that you see on the internet like oftentimes people are like well this person was doing this and so I decided to write about this and this person over here they are killing it on Instagram so I started to do this and you get little pieces of other business owners into your business and it doesn't feel authentic and it doesn't represent really who you are so SEO really is a um, an inward look at who you are what you do, the, provi the value that you provide your people, and then telling people consistently about it. And that's like the baseline. Once you, once you have a handle on that and you regularly do that, then we can talk about some of the technical stuff, like the alt tags and some of those things that you mentioned, because they are important, but they are nowhere near as important as just kind of finding your true voice. Because what I find when people find their voice and their purpose and their value, it attracts people, it attracts their people, it attracts their tribe. And so users tend to spend more time on the website and they click around and they read other pages. Like it's kind of like the Netflix binge. Once you read, a, once you read one blog post and you're like, man, I, this other one looks really good. And they spend, users typically will find more, more and more time on that website. And those are two, those things that I mentioned are two of the longstanding oldest and best ways for Google to kind of evaluate the quality of your site. From Google's perspective, if you're spending, if users are spending a lot of time on your site, and that means more than 45 seconds, and that they're clicking around to multiple pages, like more than two pages per session, then those are two huge quality factors or quality signals to Google because they're saying that, hey, the audience likes the site and they must be providing value and they must be doing what they claim to do because people seem to really enjoy it. I love that. I love that this is like step one because I I feel like oftentimes in other areas of our business, like branding and writing the copy for your website and figuring out your marketing and, you know, posting on Instagram, all of those things, I feel like we are constantly told like, okay, you've got to find your ideal client. You've got to figure out who your audience is. You've got to figure out what you want to offer them. What value are you providing? But then things like SEO come up and we kind of forget all of that because it's like it's so complicated. Mm -hmm. It's more of a technical term and we feel like it suddenly has to be more technical and it's less about who we are, who we're talking to and what we can offer them and more about, okay, how do I throw in keywords to really optimize this for Google? So I'm glad that you mentioned that and that you kind of made that step one of really getting your SEO in order. That's, that is exactly right. Like I love, I think it's super important to figure out who your audience is or who your ideal audience is, but you can't, you don't really know them until you figure out who you are. And then once you figure out you, then we can, then you can step into those other branding, um, elements. Cause I feel like that's people miss this first step of figuring out what they want to be known for and who, what space are they, do they want to take up in this crazy online arena? Um, and we, we focus on getting clients and, and finding people and going and doing what everybody else does. And you miss this 
really important step and the 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 huge like awesome factor about it is once you figure this out once you get the base the baseline of figuring out of who you are, what you're providing and the value, then everything else just comes easy. And you don't have to spend as much effort and time and energy on the details because you've already attracted this huge tribe of people because they, they connect with who you are. Yeah, definitely true. So can we dive in a little further? Let's pretend that somebody has accomplished step one. They really do everything you just said. They really know who their audience is. They know who they are. They know what they're putting out on Google and they're constantly, you know, really promoting and writing about that one thing that they're an expert in. Um, so let's pretend that's true and dive into a few of those technical terms because I know there's going to be some people in our audience that are like, I feel like I do that, but I still don't know what all of these technical terms mean. So can I just throw a few terms at you sure. and have you kind of explain what they are and how you can really use them to benefit your SEO and benefit your ranking on Google. Absolutely. So start with alt tags because that's the one we hear like all the time and <laughs> I feel like it's the most confusing one. So can you just talk about what that is and how you use it? Absolutely. So alt tags stand for alternative text. And we use these to give details to images because Google can't see pictures. They read, they read words. And so it's really important that when you put imagery on your website, that you kind of tell Google what that image actually is. So an example that I go to all the time is a headshot. So I'm sure that most people have a headshot on their website. And what I think is a good alt tag for that is your name and your brand. And you can just say, you know, headshot of Meg Clark from Clapping Dog Media. And it basically is a short descriptive term that, um, that illustrates what the image is all about. Now, these come in to be really, really important when, we, when we're talking about artists, photographers, designers, and really photo-heavy websites. Oftentimes, when you are an artist or a photographer, you don't have a lot of words for Google to read, but you have your work, you have your imagery. And this is where it becomes really important for your alt tags to be clear to be unique, and to really be um, descriptive of what the image is about for your audience. So one example that, I, that we always talk about are wedding photographers. You know, oftentimes they'll take, um, they'll be, you know, several hundred images from each wedding, and a lot of them seem to be really similar. So a lot of, so I get a lot of questions of like, hey, I have three pictures of the bride walking down the aisle and they're all excellent. How do I differentiate in the alt tags as to, you know, what should I put on there? And um, that's a really great question. And what I typically recommend is for you to put like the bride walking down the aisle, maybe the venue, if that is significant, and then like image one. And then the next one could be bride walking down the aisle, venue, image two. And that way, Google will have an understanding that it's part of a series. And if somebody does a Google search for that venue or bride walking down the aisle, they'll be able to associate all of those together. So I don't know if I answered your question, but I hope that kind of makes sense. 
It definitely did. I think it answered it perfectly and really broke it down so that it makes a little more sense. Mm -hmm. So that was great. So I've heard that like your header text affects SEO. Mm -hmm. So is that true? I mean, should your headers be a little more specific to what you're trying to promote or does that matter? How does that work? Absolutely. When, um, when Google goes to your website and begins to read, they read the robots or the spiders or the little crawlers that go through your website to read it actually read your site like we read newspapers. And so typically when you open up a newspaper, you read the, t the headlines of all of the articles and then you go back up and you read things that, that you're more interested in. But you start with the big bold text or you know the headline copy. And that's exactly how Google reads your website. And so it's really important to have clear, strong headlines and titles for your pages because Google reads those first and they read them and then they're able to, if they're clear and descriptive, they're able to put that article in their cache memory very quickly and say, okay, this article is about such and such. And then it has time to go on and read more of your articles. Google does have a limit. It's called... Um, crawl budget, crawl time to crawl every, every website. So it, it's hard for Google to understand what the page is about, understand what the site is about, understand what, you know, what you're actually going for from a content perspective, then they get slowed down because they actually have to go through and read everything. And that takes a long time. So they may not be able to crawl your whole site because you haven't made it easy for them to identify what the pages are about because you haven't used clear descriptive headlines. That definitely makes sense. So what do you recommend for, cause you mentioned this earlier, you mentioned that, you know, you want people to visit multiple pages on your site. You want them to stay for longer than 45 seconds. So other than obviously just having content that's worth reading and providing value and all of those things, what do you recommend, you know, visually or promotional wise or anything like that for really making people want to stay on your site long enough for it to help benefit your SEO? Right. And this is a great question because it combines kind of a lot of things in our online marketing and online world. Um, some of it is simple, good design. Like if your site is loads fast and is designed well, people are going to feel more at home. It's like walking into a cozy coffee shop versus kind of a cafeteria. Like if it is well designed and you can easily find a nice comfortable place to sit, then you're going to stick around there longer. And how, what that means for a website is, you know, in the middle of an article, you link to other pages that are related or that you think the user might want to read. Like if you're interested in X, you know, flow in another link that they might also be interested in. Um, make it easy to navigate your site. Don't hide menus. Don't make it hard to find the archive of your content. You know, honestly, that's one of the biggest things that I see all the time is that bloggers will, or website owners will have been blogging for two plus years, but it's nearly impossible to find their archive of content. Maybe they have them under like a sidebar menu of just dates and you're like, cool, but what in the heck happened in May of 2017? I have no idea. So it's really great if you think um, 
kind of in a, a strategic way of how you um, massage or refine your content so that it's easy to find. Because if you've been writing for, you know, six months, a year, three years, that archive of content is really valuable to your audience. And so we need to make it easy for them to find. So again, I recommend doing a lot of internal linking, having a really effective sidebar on your blog that points people to categories and um, related pages and even the most popular pages on your website so that they can, you know, without even real purpose can just dive into your content. Yeah, that's definitely great advice. And I, I feel like too, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I feel like a lot of times people feel, and I know I felt this way when I started out in business, people feel like when they're blogging or they're writing up the pages and the copy for their website and everything, they feel like it's almost too pushy to say, oh, here's a related post that I think you would like since you're reading this article. And so I'm glad that you mentioned that that's not really like a taboo thing. It's something you should definitely be doing because I'm constantly reading articles where I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that this person talked about this and went into this, but I wonder if they have any more content on this topic. And it's like you said, it's really hard to find because if you can find an archive to begin with, it's probably done by date and I'm not mm -hmm. going to look through all of that. So I'm right. glad that you just put that out there about, you know, just linking those other posts or those other pages and, and really making it simple for, because if people show up to read, you know, with your food blogger example from earlier, if people show up to read about a specific recipe, odds are they're going to like similar recipes to that. So why not point them to those instead of leaving them to go find somebody else's site? So I'm definitely Absolutely. glad you mentioned that. Absolutely. And so I hope that you're seeing and your audience is seeing how SEO is not something that you just do to a website. It is just really a layer of your whole business and your online presence. It's thinking strategically about how you organize your content and how easy it is to find. So we pull in, you know, the design elements and our, our, the job, the goal is really just to get people to read you and really begin to value who you are and who you say you are. So it's, um, and just being kind of clear about that. And that's really my, my take on SEO and how I, I really love to make it, um, kind of achievable and purposed for, for clients and for users so that they can, it, it doesn't feel scary and it doesn't feel overwhelming. It's part of of your everyday work. Like good business is good SEO. Yeah. And I mean, this is why I love this conversation because I feel like, you know, like we said in the beginning, everybody looks at it as, as this really technical thing. And a lot of times when you hear business owners talk about, oh, well, I need to work on my SEO. They go looking for a webinar or a workshop or something, and they feel like it's this one-time thing that they have to do. Like if I take this webinar and then I go implement all of these ideas, then I'll never have to work on it again. Right. And that's not true. It's a lot. It's like your Instagram. It's like your social media. It's like your marketing. It's a big part of all of that, like you said, and it's got to be constantly thought about. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to constantly be updating the alt tags on your photos, but it means you need to constantly be making smart decisions about 
what you're linking to, what you're saying on your blog, what your pages look like, what kind of decisions are you making with your content to push people to more of your content? That's exactly right. And, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't say that there are technical things that an SEO can do to make the site more efficiently um, crawled by Google. That's like updating your site map. And there's this thing called a robots file that gives priorities to pages to crawl for Google. Um, and that is something that I think in, having an SEO um, consultant or strategist um, come in for you know a month or two can be really helpful because they can do that. But once that's done, that, does, that technical stuff doesn't necessarily need to be revisited until you do a redesign or you change hosts or something. But once we do that, you're, you're really good to go. And the rest is aligning your content, being clear with who you say you are, telling users the value that you provide, and you know, kind of making it easy for people to find you and to spend more time hanging out on your site. Yeah, that definitely makes sense and definitely so true. I do have one more question for you because yeah. you mentioned linking to other things mm -hmm. on your site. And so that kind of prompted me to think about backlinking. So we hear a lot about, oh, you should guest post, you should get featured, you should do whatever and have people backlink to your site. How does that affect SEO or does it affect SEO? And how can you kind of use that to your advantage? Sure. Well, if you think back to what I had mentioned before about how Google's main goal is to figure out, um, are you who you say you are and are you providing value for your users? Um, backlinks work along the exact same line of thinking. So the idea, a backlink is when an outside website links to your website. And an easy way to get a um, a backlink, like you had mentioned, was guest posting. But really what the big dream is, is that another blogger or another business owner reads one of your article and then talks about it in their content, whether it be social media or their own blog post. And then you get this link from an outside person to your site. And the more of these backlinks that you receive is another signal to Google that says, wow, they must be an expert in what they're talking about because not only are people coming to their site from Google, but outside people are, are telling them about it. So it's very similar to when you tell people about the new restaurant that's in town. You know, people could find it on their own by walking by, but if you get a lot of people saying, hey, you've got to try this restaurant, you've got to try it, you're going to think that it must be really good because a lot of people have talked to you about it. And that's the exact same process for backlinking. And if other people, you know, if you write really good content that's really valuable and really helpful and you share it on social media, it's very likely that other people will link back to your, to your site. Another way that I really like to get backlinks is through guest posting, posting and then providing your value to somebody else's audience. And of course, that website will link back to you. So backlinks are really important. And it goes back, it's just, it, it's just another way that we can show Google that you have authority and that you are an expert in what you're talking about. Yeah, and I love the restaurant example because I think that analogy just made it really easy to understand. Because I feel mm -hmm. like, you know, we're constantly hearing all of these terms, like we've said, and, and it just starts to feel really complicated and a little bit overwhelming. And so I, I think that broke it down. Like you just want people to be talking about 
what you're wanting to be known for. It's yeah. that simple. That easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, gosh, I think this conversation has been so awesome because you've provided so much value on this topic to our audience. And I'm really excited for them to hear it because I think we really broke down a lot of those terms and a lot of the you know steps that you should take to really make your SEO better. So I love this conversation. I'm super excited about it, but I know you do have I don't know if I want to call it a freebie, but you have like a freebie on your website, right? Where you can actually kind of get your website checked for SEO and get like a full report on how that looks. So can you just tell our audience about that for a minute? Yeah, it's super cool. It's just a free audit. So, and I look at, I think there's like 19 different aspects of your site that affect your SEO and it breaks, it breaks down and it just gives you a letter grade for each one. Like it'll say, you get an A for your headlines and you get a B for your linking. Um, and so I highly recommend that you go check it out so you can get a baseline understanding of, of how well you're doing. So it's right on my homepage. It's called like an SEO audit. So if you head over to clappingdogmedia.com and just click on that ginormous banner that's in the center of the page, you can get this great report. And it definitely, um, it, it helps, gives you an understanding of what Google's looking at and how you, how you stand in comparison to that. Yeah. And we will absolutely link that in the show notes as well. But I took the time to mention it because I, personally tried it and Uh the audit was awesome. Like I got this really organized report that, I mean, it was just great. Like there were things on it that I had not even thought about. And so I love it. It was so useful. I'm still trying to implement some of it, but it's great. It's a really great starting point to say, okay, these are the couple of things that I need to go in and focus on. So that's why I a great resource. Everybody should check it out. Link will be in the show notes. It's so worth it. Oh, awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I love it. I was so excited when I got it. I, I think I got like a B or a C or something. So it wasn't even super fantastic, but I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Oh, I think that's great news. Yeah, man. That's a great starting point. Mm-hmm. Definitely. For sure. Well, Meg, at the end of every episode, I do a fun little lightning round for everybody. So I'm just going to ask you a few quick questions that um, are super lighthearted. You don't have to think a lot about them, but um, they're just fun for our audience. So are I you love ready? it. I'm so ready. Awesome. All right. What is the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning? Oh, well, I have to let my dog out and then I make coffee. <laughs> I love it. We have so many pet owners come on here and every time they're like, well, um, my dogs run the house or my cat. So this is how it works in the morning. Yep. I have a golden doodle. His name is Vader. He's my company mascot because he's always, he's always by my side. He's the cutest thing ever. And he just puts his paws up on the bed and starts licking me and is like, all right, it's time to go out there, mama. So I love it. I love it. I have a little He's an Eskimo Chihuahua mix, which is oh my gosh, so strange. But so yeah, cute. he just my husband will get up and go to work, and so he'll take over his pillow and he'll just lay and <laughs> stare at my face until I wake up. So I understand your pain. Yep, <laughs> that's not awkward. You wake up and you see these two big eyes at you. Yep, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, what is the last book that you read? Oh my goodness. Okay, so. I may be complete nerdy, but I, I, 
I'm, I love reading cookbooks. So, um, I, that's crazy, but I really love to read about, it's like the food, like old, like food, the old school version of food blogs, which I am also obsessed with, but I love cookbooks and I am currently having some autoimmune issues. So that means that I'm eating more of a plant-based diet than I was say six months ago. So I just, I had, I just have finished and literally made 95% of the recipes in Thug Kitchen, which is kind of a controversial book because of the way they, they are, but whatever, they make really great recipes. So honestly, my last book was a cookbook. I love that. That's so different. I like it. <laughs> what is one thing that you recommend to everybody? So this can be an item, a product, but something that you really think all business owners just have to have. Okay, so this is all business owners and yet also all people. Um, this is not related to work at all, but my very favorite thing in, in my very favorite thing that I've ever purchased in my whole life is this thing called it's um, V A V A Avava, and it foams milk. Which you're like, that's dumb. Who cares about a milk foamer? But literally, it is the greatest thing ever, and it makes your coffee just literally amazing. I look forward to it every day, and I will drink far too many of them. So this milk froth, everybody needs a milk froth frother. You can't, I can't even say it, but I love it because it, it just makes you happy. And it's like having lattes all day long. And so, yeah, I, I feel like it has increased my um, ability with at work and at home by a million because I have, I have a better cup of coffee every day. I love that. I love it so much. I feel like we have a lot of coffee drinkers, so they will definitely appreciate that recommendation. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. Last question. What is either your favorite quote or the best piece of advice that you have ever been given? Ooh, the best piece of advice I've ever been given, especially, well, I have, there's a couple of them. They're probably going to bleed into each other. Um, as an entrepreneur is it's a lot of grinding. You've got to just do the daily grind and you work and you work and you work and you work and you work. And then one day, then, you know, 10 years later, you're an overnight success. And I definitely have found that to be true of just the consistent daily work is, is it's not glorified and it's, it doesn't feel great all the time, but that, that consistency is really the way you can make a business run. And my, that's one piece of advice. And my second piece of advice is to always be mindful of how you make people feel. Um, you know, people, I, I don't remember who said this, but I think it was Eleanor Roosevelt, but people may not always remember who you are or what you did, but they will remember how you make them feel. So I, I, I definitely have tried to be really mindful of that in my business and take away that negative stigma that is associated with SEO and help people feel empowered and encouraged by it because, you know, and it's a really great way to, to expand your business. Yeah. Both of those are so great. Such great advice. I love it. That's perfect way to end this conversation. And it was so good. Such a great recommendation. Perfect. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, tell everybody where they can find you. So what's your website, your social media, where do you want them to follow along? Perfect. Well, my business is called clappingdogmedia.com. So you can find me there. And I spend a lot of time on Instagram. I do a lot of Instagram stories uh, and that's um, at clappingdogmedia as well. 
perfect. And we will link all of that in the show notes as well. So go find Meg and follow along and work with her for your SEO and make it even better. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Well, Meg, thank you so much for this conversation because like I said, I really do feel like it's going to benefit our audience so much and really break down, you know, some of those terms for them that have been just really overwhelming and confusing. So I really appreciate your time and your advice and bringing all of your expertise onto the show. Cool. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, ladies, that's it for this time, but don't forget to head over to the show notes to grab special bonus content from our guests. I'd love if you could show your support for the show. So if you have just a minute, leave a five-star review about how much you love this podcast. Then head over to femalesonfirepodcast.com and grab your Females on Fire apparel. Get a t-shirt, hat, and more because it all goes to fund the podcast. And don't forget to show off your new swag to all your friends on social media and tag me at Females on Fire and at Haley Luckadoo. I'll be back next week with another great show for you. But until then, keep reaching for those dreams that set your soul on fire. <laughs>